Well, welcome today to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It is great to see you. Want to welcome every campus that we have Germantown campus, Appleton campus, Brookfield camp- campus, uh, Milwaukee campus online, wherever you're joining, especially with the weather this weekend. You may be here and just kind of checking things out online. That's great. We're glad that you are with us today and this weekend. And hopefully, uh, you're, I think it's going to be one of those messages that as we launch this brand new series called Invisible Matters that you're really going to get something from. So today, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. I'm going to get there in just a minute. We're going to kind of walk through the end of Acts chapter 4, the beginning of Acts chapter 5. In this series on invisible matters, I want to kind of set a couple of things up. And, and I want to talk about really about spiritual disease. And uh, spiritual disease is, is, is like, it's kind of like heart disease. It's, um, it's invisible externally. Uh, it is very slow, uh, but it's deadly. And um, it's kind of like a heart attack. I, I've never had a heart attack, thank God. Uh, but I have several close friends that, uh, that are pastor buddies of mine. And, and, and both have experienced or the, the, the horrible pain of having to go through a heart attack, both the, it was the widow maker and it was the blockage that they did not know. One buddy of mine had been through a full um, evaluation, a full physical, and uh, they checked him out from stem to stern. Everything was great. It was about six weeks later. He was getting ready to travel. He preached on the weekend. It was a Monday morning. was going to get ready to hit a flight uh, to go to some meetings that he had and literally got up that morning, did his workout at, at home in the basement and did his run. Didn't feel quite right, but no big deal. Uh, took his protein shake and was doing all of that. Still didn't feel well. Then started, began to kind of feel clammy and nauseous and and those cold sweats and, and went upstairs to, to the bedroom. His wife was asleep and, and he wakes her up and just said, something's not right. About that time, he goes into the bathroom and begins to kind of, you know, uh, vomit. And, and he's laying on the cold tile floor with the room spinning and he called 911, rushed him to the hospital only to find out that that widow maker had seized his heart. And, and it was like, he said, Aaron, man, I had just done a full physical. Everything was fine. Everything was great. I had a full clean bill of health, but it didn't just show up. And it just, boom, completely debilitated me. The reality was the blockage had been going on for some time and it was there. It just wasn't seen. Another friend of mine, I'll never forget this as long as I live. I actually was up north kind of at the lake and, and just kind of it was one of those beautiful uh, summer days in Wisconsin that we get and uh, a lot unlike this weekend, amen. And, uh, and so it was one of those deals and I'm driving down the road and I'm talking to this, this, this buddy of mine and, and in the middle of the conversation, he stops me and says, hey, something's not right. I said, well, well what's, what's wrong? And he goes, man, there is something just like, I, I, something's not right with my heart. And this friend of mine, he can kind of be a hypochondriac. I mean, he can always, like, if he, if, if he hears someone that has something, that's what he's got. Like, he, he go on WebMD, he's got everything, right? All the time, there's always something. We kind of call him Eeyore, you know, from Winnie the Pooh. It's kind of like, oh, Pooh. It's always, so I'm like, okay, whatever. He goes, no, seriously, man, something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my blood pressure checked. Well, what he did was he went ahead and drove himself into the hospital to the ER. By this time, he is profusely sweating. His shirt is completely drenched. He's about to black out. He, he, he goes to the, to the desk, the information desk to check in uh, at, the, at the, uh, the ER right there. And she said, sir, 
you are having a heart attack. And immediately they rush him in. And I don't know any of this. He just gets off the phone. Well, I don't think anything about it. I'm having a beautiful day in Wisconsin and everything's great and it's sunny in 75. And I thought, hey, I need to call Mark and find out what happened. So maybe several hours later, I call, I don't get anything. I don't hear anything. And finally, I thought I'm going to call his wife. So I called Gretchen, what's going on? And she said, he had a heart attack. She said, he must have been on the phone with you. I said, yeah, he told me. But I said, Gretchen, she goes, I know, I know, I know. And I said, I just thought no big deal. And I just kind of went on with my day. She said, no, Aaron, as soon as he went in, they immediately brought him in. They, they did a full-blown, I mean, he, they bypassed the whole, I mean, he, everything. He could have died. Of course, he's never, you know, let me live that down. Like, you didn't care about me. And he could have been the last person I'm talking to alive. The, 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 the thing is, is that, that heart attack is, it's, it's, it's outwardly okay, but then something happens inwardly and then immediately it manifests itself outwardly. It's the same thing is true when you're talking about people, you see someone that's in a public view, maybe, maybe they're in politics, maybe they're the CEO of a company, uh, maybe, maybe they're a local pastor or, or religious leader and they have what you call a fall from grace or a moral failure. And people go, well, man, did that just like happen all of a sudden? I mean, where, where did things go wrong? Was it a single action? Was it misjudgment? Was it a momentary a minute of moment of weakness? No. Visibly on the external, it was very gradual, not even noticeable. But internally, there were multitudes of wrong choices after wrong choices after wrong actions. That, and wrong judgments and wrong weaknesses that eventually culminated together that what happened on the inside came to the outside. So how do we protect ourselves from this spiritual heart disease? I mean, because here's what I know. I, I know that if, if we're following Christ, we, we, we really want to do what Jesus says. And, and I get it. Sometimes, you know, we, what we don't want to do, we do. And what we do want to do, we don't do. But most of the time, we're, we're really trying to track along. We're really trying to do this. And if you've been serving God for any amount of time, what's really easy is to fall into the trap, is to make sure everything looks great on the outside, but on the inside is where the problems are. On the inside is where the chaos is. On the inside is where the problems are. And externally, everything's okay, but internally, no way. And so the issue isn't with the external, especially when you're talking about spiritual disease in our life. It's with the invisible with visible habits, that's how, we, how we, we overcome spiritual heart disease because the invisible matters. We overcome it with visible habits, which I'm going to talk about today and the next three weeks after this. What are some things visibly, actively, practically I can do in my life to make sure that I'm heart healthy when it comes to my spiritual walk with God? What are some things I can do in a practical sense, in a real day working world? Uh, and to be able to go and to make sure that my heart is right. Because the reality is, is visible habits we want to have in our lives because the invisible is what matters. So Acts chapter 4, I'm going to set this up and I'm going to show you this in Scripture. It's kind of a, a juxtaposition. It's kind of a, con a comparison contrast that Luke, the author of this writing, this, this chronicling, this, 
this new birth of this New Testament church uh, in the book of Acts. And he, he begins, first of all, talk at the end of chapter 4 about the generosity. And then he introduces three characters into, which are not fictitious, but they're three people, real, real people, that are actually living, that do similar things visibly externally. But internally, things are all wrong. And they have two completely different outcomes. And it illustrates that the invisible matters. And how do we deal with invisible matters in our life? We deal with them through visible habits. And so Acts chapter 4, verse 32, kind of sets up the church environment. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen. But if you do, Acts chapter 4, verse 32 through through 37, says this. All the believers were in one heart and mind. And no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. But they shared everything they had. Verse 33. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work um, in all of them, that there were no needy persons among them. From, the time, from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales, and they put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. So this kind of gives you kind of what happened, what was happening, kind of the norm of, of what was going on. So you have this, this New Testament church. It's brand new. Jesus died on the cross. They were in the upper room six weeks later. So 50 days after, after, the, after the resurrection of Christ is the celebration of Pentecost, which is where we read Acts chapter 2. And on the day of Pentecost, was, that was a Jewish celebration in Jerusalem. People were there from all the known world, and they began to hear the gospel message in their own language and 3,000 people were added to the 120 that were in the room that day and the New Testament church began. It exploded. And so with this, what they're doing is they're all figuring this out. They're building this bicycle as they're riding it, if you would. And, and so, so they're, they're bringing what they have and they're helping one another out and, and there's this newness and there's this excitement and, and all of this. And, and again, you have to remember as you read scripture, these people are just people, just like you, just like me. And, and human behavior doesn't change very much. And so, so, so they, they, they are bringing these possessions, they're giving things as they need, and they're bringing them. And it says they're putting them at the feet of the apostles. Basically, they're giving it to the church. They're just saying, hey, I just sold this property, and here's money, help someone. I, I, I just sold this house, here's the money, help someone. And so this was a common occurrence. This was going on. Then Luke tells us of one particular individual. His name is Barnabas. And uh, look at verse 36. It says, uh, Joseph a Levite from Cyprus, whose apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field that he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So again, we see that this Barnabas does the exact same thing that's been kind of common, that's been kind of happening in this new church. Now, Barnabas, this is the same Barnabas, if, you're, if you've read much of the New Testament, this is the Barnabas of Paul and Barnabas. This is, this is uh, the one that will, he'll encourage Paul and he'll strengthen Paul. He will also have a sharp dispute with Paul over John Mark, uh, who's one of the disciples. And because Paul took him on a missionary journey and, and he kind of bolted and went home early and couldn't kind of, Paul kind of thought he was a mama's boy. Really, if you read it, that's what's going on. And Paul felt like he wasn't fit for the kingdom. And Barnabas was the one that said, no, 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 no. He just needs another chance. And he came around him. He developed him. And, and, and John Mark grew into to a great disciple. And, and Paul later commended Barnabas for this. So there's this great relationship as well as kind of a disagreement too between Paul and Barnabas. So Barnabas is this New Testament figure that is just 
let's just say this. Barnabas is kind of like Pastor Jim. If you've ever met Pastor Jim, that's kind of Barnabas. He's just, he's encouraging. He's kind. He's, he, he's for everybody. He, he's for the underdog. He'll stop and, and help you out. He's the kind of guy you want when you're sick, right? You don't want Paul showing up because he's just going to say, be healed in the name of Jesus. And if you're not, well, that's on you. I got to go <laughs> save the world. But Barnabas was a guy that will sit with you and talk. And so Barnabas has this field and he sells it and he gives it and lays it at the feet of the apostles. Now, let's look just for a second at the, as the generosity of Barnabas. This is going to make some sense. I'm going to kind of close the loop here in a second. Visible. He sold property. Then he brought the money to the church. And he gave it all. That's what we know. He sold this piece of property. He brought the money to the church and he gave it all. What's implied here is the invisible. And that is, and this plays out in, in Luke's writing in the book of Acts, is he had a healthy heart. What's implied here is the invisible, which is a healthy heart. He had right motives. He's, his name is Joseph. It's not even Barnabas, but Barnabas being son of encouragement. So he's such this good guy that they actually don't even call him by his name. He's got a nickname, which you got to be pretty cool to have a nickname, right? I don't care where you are in any place, any time. you got a nickname by your friends. If it's a good nickname, it's a great, it's a great thing. It means you're in. He, he, he's this encourager. So he's got this healthy heart. Now, we go right to chapter 5, verse 1. And let me just stop here for a second. All chapter and verse breaks in Scripture were not in the original letter. They're not in the original. That, that's been placed there so that you and I can, can find things and reference things easily. And so instead of us going, hey, we're going to go to this next story about Ananias and Sapphira. Now, where's that? I don't know. It's page 35 on mine. It's page 706 on my Bible. It's just everybody can kind of find, hey, it's chapter 5, verse 1. So sometimes when we read this, we think, well, that's the end of the chapter, so that's the end of the story, so it's the next day. No, 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 this is a continuation. If, if I were writing this, if I were putting the chapter and the breaks in it, not writing the, the text, but actually putting the chapter and breaks, I wouldn't put, I'd put all this together. Most commentators, most commentaries that you'll read, they'll put all this together. Because again, it's all one just continuous letter as Luke is writing this chronology of the New Testament church. Chapter 5, verse 1, a man now, as opposed to Barnabas, now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. Also denoting this is in comparison and contrast to Barnabas, comparison and contrast to what's been happening. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but he brought the rest out and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart so that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money that you received for the land? Verse 4, didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? Have you, you've not just lied to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and he died. And with great fear, it seized all who heard what had happened. I bet it did. Could you imagine that happening at Life Church on a weekend? Somebody do that and they just die dead. And it's just like, okay, bring, and look what they do. And then, then some young men came in, wrapped up the body and carried him out and buried him. I'm just like, boom, right there. That's the reason why there are cemeteries right next to churches, the old churches. I'm just teasing. Okay, so make sure you're with me. Now, about three hours later, this is a great story. Three hours later, completely oblivious to what's going on, his wife comes in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, so tell me, 
Is this the price that you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. And then Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Same thing he says in verse 3 to Ananias. Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. And at that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Boom. That's why I put the chapter break right there. I mean, that's like, that would be, be the end of chapter four. Now let's go right on. Because that's kind of where, where he ends. So what we see now is comparison contrast from Barnabas, this son of encouragement, this, this, this guy with a great healthy heart that does this externally visible action. We see it with the deception of this couple, Ananias and Sapphira. So let's just look at this. Visibly, they sold property, they brought the money to the church and they gave some of it. Now Barnabas gave all of it, they gave some of it. So they sold property, brought the money to the church and gave some of it. Invisible, there's a diseased heart. There's a spiritual heart disease that's taken place. There's these wrong motives. What, what's the symptom? It's the deception. It's the deception. I'm gonna explain this in just a second. The issue was an invisible matter. Look back at verse three. There are three things that Peter says to them. These, this is where you're missing it. Again, externally, they're doing the same thing everybody else is doing, or so it seems. Externally, they're doing the same thing it seems that Barnabas is doing, but not really. So, and, and, and just so you know, they didn't have to give any of the money to the church. They didn't have to give all of it to the church. The issue isn't that they didn't give all of it. The issue isn't that they, didn't, that, they, that they gave it. The issue is that they lied about the amount of money that they sold their property for and what they gave. They wanted to act like they were something they were not. They were hypocrites. They wanted to act as though, hey, we got this. Everybody else is doing this. Let's, let's give all of this. And I don't know what the conversation went like. But again, people are people. So probably somewhere like, hey, Ananias said to Sapphira, look, we're going to sell this property for $100,000. Do we really need to give all the money there? We've got a few bills over here. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to you know, get a new boat and, and, and you need tires on the, on the SUV. So why don't we just hold back and we'll just hold back a certain amount of this and let's just give 75,000. That's pretty good. You know, Frank over there gave 75 and, and Barnabas gave 50. We don't know what they gave. It doesn't give us any amounts, but, but I'm just kind of making things up here. I, I hope you understand that. That's not really in the text. And so, so let's just hold back and, and we're going to be generous and we'll actually give more money than what the other people gave. I'm sure that was in the conversation. The problem is never the amount. Just let me help you understand this. God's never interested in the amount that you give. It's are you doing what he asks you to do? And what you are saying that you're doing, is that consistent externally and internally? It, again, it's issue of the heart, which we can't see until something's wrong. And then all of a sudden, boom, it comes to, it comes to light. Boom, all of a sudden, it, 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 what's, what's invisible becomes visible. Why? Because the invisible matters. So there's three things that it says that he does wrong, that they both do wrong, that they conspire together and they try to present it as though they're giving everything. The first is that Satan filled their heart. Verse three, and, 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 and Paul will go, excuse me, Peter will go on to address this of Sapphira as well. Satan filled their heart. Now I don't wanna get into a lot of the nuances of this other than just to say, you get to choose who and what fills your heart. 
The Bible says in, Rome, in, in Revelation 3, verse 19 and 20, Jesus stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. And if you open the door and you invite him in, he'll come in. So you get to choose who or what fills your heart. So what fills your heart? You know what, what the truth of that matter is, is that I don't know what fills your heart. You don't know what fills my heart. But there's going to come a day that what's filled my heart will become reality. What's filled my heart, that, that what's done in secret will be brought to light. That's kind of a scary, but, all, but uh, a sobering thought. So what's in your heart? So you get to choose. If you really love Jesus, if you really are, are pursuing him, or you really are, that, it, that, that comes out. If, if, if you're not, that's going to come out as well. Again, it's that spiritual heart disease. It's what's in your heart. And so what they had done is they had allowed, they had allowed uh, uh, deceit and deception. And, and who knows? We don't know all the backstory behind this. We just know kind of the, the, the headlines of it. But what we do know is that Satan had filled their heart. So it is possible to be in church. It is possible to be around other Christians. It is possible to do things that externally, visibly are very spiritual when the reality is, is that your heart's far away from God. And though it looks the same to everybody else and nobody else sees it, God sees it because what you've done is you've allowed, you, you've allowed evil into your heart. You've allowed sin into your heart. You've allowed it to take a place in your heart. And eventually that's going to come out. Eventually it's going to cost you. Eventually something's going to die, Right? This is the truth of it. It's eventually, it only goes that way for so long. You can only keep up the charade so long. It's this thing. The, the time that somebody gets caught doing whatever they're doing wrong, that's not the first time they did it. I'm firmly convinced of that. I don't have chapter and verse on that, but I, I really, I see that over and over and over. God is gracious. I mean, you look at the life of, of Samson. Samson had multiple opportunities and he kept breaking his vow before God and breaking his vow before God and breaking his vow before God before finally God went, okay, enough. When that line is, I don't know, it may be different for all of us, but the reality is, is that God gives us grace. But then there comes a time of day of reckoning if our hearts are not right. So Satan filled their heart. The second thing is that they lied to the Holy Spirit. They lied to the Holy Spirit. They, they concocted this lie. So because when your heart's not right, what do you begin to do? You begin to try to cover it. You begin to try to protect it. You begin to try to lie about it. It's okay. Everything's fine. This is good. This is okay. And when you're talking about issues between you and the Lord, you're not talking about, hey, is a pastor okay with it or the priest okay with it or, 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 or somebody else you know in church. The question is, is, are you right with Jesus, man? Are you right with the Holy Spirit? I mean, are things right? It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It's, are you right with the Lord? And, and, and what happens is we began to try to mask over and we'll begin to lie to ourselves first in our own sin. When our hearts are beginning to be filled with Satan, begin to be filled with evil, we allow that stuff, deception to come in. And then we began to rationalize our behavior and rationalize our choices. And this is okay. And this is okay. And this is okay. And we began to lie. It's a very, this is a typical pattern. The book of James talks about this, that we began to lie and make excuses and kind of masked over this. It's a choice. Both of these heart issues are choice issues. These aren't just something that happened. These are intentional, distinctive choices. And then they kept the money for themselves. That's the action. They kept the money for themselves. Choice. We're gonna act in front like we're giving this great amount to the church. Way to go. That's awesome, Aaron. You're great. You're spiritual. You're doing all this. And the reality is we're going to act like we're giving all, but we're really only giving some. And when we ask if we're giving all, we nod our heads and say yes, but the truth is we're lying. 
Now I want you to notice, death doesn't happen when their heart's filled with Satan. Death doesn't happen when they lie to the Holy Spirit. Death ultimately happens when they go from filling their heart and lying to the Holy Spirit. But when they cross that line and they begin to keep the money, that's when it's done. When the action finally, when what's inside actually becomes visible on the outside. See, we don't, we don't know their heart up until this point in time that, that, that they've allowed evil and sin. And I mean, intentionally, I'm not talking about like you did something wrong or you said a bad word or I'm talking about like there's willful intent, willful intent. I know the right way and it's over here and I'm gonna take this door over here. I know God told me to do this and not to do this, but I'm gonna go do what I'm gonna go do. I know I'm not supposed to, but this is what I'm gonna go do. And, and so this willful intent, and, and so it, 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 death doesn't happen at that point in time. God is gracious. And then they plan this thing and they lie to the Holy Spirit and it doesn't, but, and you could say, well, theo, theologically or theoretically, if at some point they would have stopped and said, oh God, forgive us. Yes, God's gracious. But the problem is they don't because by that time, the momentum of the heart disease has progressed so far that then what's internal becomes external. So how do you protect yourself from spiritual heart disease? With visible habits, visible habits, things that you do in your life. We're gonna talk about next weekend. We're gonna talk about a personal devotional life. Are you in a regular rhythm that really works in the 21st century? Are you in a regular rhythm where you are praying and where God's speaking to you through his word? Because if you're not, guess what's happening is you're, you're not taking that statin or that beta blocker or, or whatever that keeps your heart healthy. You're, you're not getting the nutrients spiritually that you need in order to protect yourself. So when the enemy, because the enemy's going to come knocking on the door of your heart, just like Jesus, and the enemy is going to want to come in and, and is going to try to wig, wiggle his way in and, and, and is going to try to rationalize to you, just like we talked about last weekend with Adam and Eve, going to try to wiggle in and try to rationalize his way to it's okay and you can eat of this tree and you can do this until all of a sudden you lie to yourself and then ultimately to the Holy Spirit and then you lose yourself. We're going to talk about how do you lead yourself? I think, this is my opinion, self-leadership is probably one of the most underspoken things about in, in, in our society today. Meaning I have to be self-aware enough to understand who I am and what God's created me to be and the purpose and the plan that he has for my life. And am I regulating myself? Am I honest with myself? Do I have relationships in my life? People that are above me and that are, are laterally with me and below me that can speak into my life. Do I have accountability? Because accountability is an upward. I'm going to unpack that. How do I lead me? Because here's what I think. I think the hardest person to lead isn't someone at your office, isn't, isn't your children, isn't your family. The hardest person to lead is you. And if you can lead you, you can lead anyone else. But most of the time, the reason why we are inefficient and ineffective at leading others is that we simply don't lead ourselves. Why? Why? Because we have so focused on visible that it's the invisible that matters. And that's what I want to talk about. We're, we're, we're going to talk about marriage and family because, again, we can all put on this, everything's great. We're great. We're great. We're great. And the marriage is crumbling. The relationship is crumbling. The relationship with your parents is crumbling. The relationship with your kids is crumbling. And, again, no one has a corner market on this. Do you understand? I mean, we're talking about people. So when you're talking about people, that's why they call it a soft science, not a hard science. There's not one plus one equals two. There's not some algebraic uh, uh, algorithm that you put together that works other than you go back to what does God's word say? So then am I doing these things? Am I doing it with regularity? Am I doing it with consistency? 
the things that no one else sees. The Bible says it's a little foxes that spoil the vine. It's not the big things. It's not Satan showing up at your house with a pitchfork and, 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 and a red cape and horns that, that I'm worried about you going, okay, I'm just going to do whatever he wants me to do. It's that this is okay, and everybody kind of does this, and I think that'll be okay. And I, I think it's okay if we allow this, and I think it's okay if we do this. And may, maybe we're being a little bit too judgmental or legalistic here or there, or maybe we just need to be, and it's okay if we miss, it's okay if we're not engaged, it's okay if we, you know, it's just these little things that begin to happen. Invisible matters in our life. So how's your heart today? Are you like Barnabas? Where, man, people see the goodness on the inside that it comes to the outside so much that they they call you encouragement. It's not even your name, but it's because you have a healthy heart. And if you read the rest of the book of Acts, you see that the ministry of Barnabas doesn't stop in chapter four. It just begins and he just keeps growing. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. The older I get, the more I just wanna make sure that man, I'm loving my wife, loving my kids. I'm living for Jesus. You go, well, hey, it's probably, it's probably easy at your stage in the ballgame. No, I think, I think the older you get, the more difficult things get because it can become mundane. It can become crusty. It can become kind of routine. The things that I was tempted by in my 20s were different in my 30s and have been different in my 40s. And I'm told in my 50s, there'll be a whole other batch of issues because the enemy's out there. The Bible says, going about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I don't know if you've ever looked at the enemy at Satan's trophy room, but he's, he's got quite a few kings and powerful men and women that are mounted on the trophy wall in his room. Greater men than me have fallen. Man, I want to be more like Barnabas and I don't want to be like Ananias and Sapphira. How's your heart? Have you allowed sin and evil in? Are you lying to yourself and ultimately to the Lord? Maybe nobody else sees it. Can I just help you? Maybe no one else sees it. But this is the moment where God says, I'm giving you grace. Before this this coronary disease of your spiritual heart hardens and your heart seizes up and you just kind of code red before everybody sees, I'm going to give you a chance to make things right. And let my grace come in if you'll just humble yourself. Maybe today that's what you need to do is just simply take this moment as we pray and say, God, forgive me for. Maybe you're far away from God and, and, and you're just at a place where you go, I just need Jesus Christ to come into my heart and to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. That's your issue. Your heart's just black with sin and, and, and all of a sudden the light's coming on. And so in that moment, in today, you just simply say, Jesus Come into my heart and be my Lord and be my Savior. In these next couple minutes when I pray, that's you. I just want to encourage you just to say that prayer. Just simply just say those words. Jesus, forgive me of my sins and save me. Come into my heart, come into my life. Be my Lord, be my Savior. And he does that immediately. Invisible matters. We're going to talk about the invisible matters of our walk with Christ over the next couple weeks because the invisible is what matters. 
How's your heart today? Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for the simplicity. I thank you for these examples that we have in scripture. And I just pray that you would just speak to us. Holy Spirit, convict us of our sin and convict us from all unrighteousness. Holy Spirit, do a work in our heart and in our lives that only you can do. I pray, God, if we've allowed the enemy to come in, if we've allowed Satan to fill our heart and evil to fill our heart and sin to fill our heart, I pray, God, right now, let us just take this moment and just say, Jesus, forgive me, and we fill in the blank. Jesus, forgive me for whatever that is right there, God. And we know that you're gracious and we know that you're just and that you're able to cleanse us of our sins and forgive us from all unrighteousness. If we're lying and rationalizing to ourselves and ultimately to you, God, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, you would just show up in Jesus' name as we confess that sin and we make it right with you so that our heart is right. And God, I pray for someone today that's far away from you and they, they don't have a relationship with you. They, they, if they were to die right now, they wouldn't even know where they would spend eternity. God, I pray your word says that we can know, Romans 10, 9 and 10, if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So I pray right now in this moment, these next few moments for people that will pray this prayer with me, God, come into their heart and come into their life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, whether you're watching online, you're watching at a campus, wherever you may be, I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And if you're here today and you say, Aaron, I need to give my life to Christ. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm simply going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Just simply pray this prayer. And if you believe the prayer that you're about to pray, not my words, it's God's words. It's what the Bible says. You confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. He will save you from your sins and you can know that you're right with Jesus and eternity is your home. Heaven is your home. If that's you, I want you to pray with me. And I'm going to ask people that have prayed this prayer before to lend their voice for those that may be praying this prayer for the very first time. Let's all pray this together. Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, to come into my life, to be my Lord and to be my Savior. I am a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are the son of God, born of a virgin, died on the cross, rose from the grave for me. And I ask you, Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I just thank you for people that prayed that prayer for the very first time, that the joy of the Lord would be their strength. And God, that you would just fill them with the peace that passes understanding. And help us, Lord, as we walk this journey out, that our hearts would be healthy before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give God praise for people that made decisions to follow Christ today?